Hello, and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel. This is a show where we get to talk about sports, we get to talk about business, and we get to talk about everything in between. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, you know exactly what to do. You're on YouTube, go click the subscribe button. Make sure to give this video a like. If you're on Apple, make sure to give us a five-star review. Say some nice words on Spotify. Five-star review. You don't even have to say any nice words. We'll just take the five-star review. More importantly, my guest today, I have Zach Litwack. I think I got it. Entrepreneur. You got it. Yes. All right. Thank God. I get so nervous with last names. I don't want to screw them up. I say it eight times before the show, and then once the red lights go on, I can't say them anymore. Uh, he's the CEO and owner of Savage Ventures, as well as Rare Media, Total Frat Move. You're probably familiar with them. He was also the former CMO of Outkick. Zach, how you doing today, man? Hey, thanks for having me, Michael. I'm enjoying. I love talking about sports, and I love your pod, so thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, brother. Well, I enjoyed working with you, obviously, former uh, Caesars employee over here. Uh, worked with Zach a little bit with some of the stuff that they're doing at Savage, and I thought it was pretty darn cool what they were capable of uh, with just such a small team and, and such such interesting people. It was really cool and appreciated that. So I thought, you know what? Let's get them on the pod. Let's see what happens. So yeah. appreciate you coming on. Appreciate the kind words, man. Of course. Love it. So, Zach, the first question, of course, that I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? I forgot I love sports would be the response oh, no. to that. So I played baseball growing up at a pretty high level. I thought I was going to go play D1 baseball, but I got really into music like my senior year of high school. So I went off and studied music production and was in the music business as an entrepreneur and, and producer, recording engineer for like six or seven years. And I found my way after selling that company, I found my way working in like startups and technology and digital media and finding love for growth hacking and digital marketing specifically. And um, fast forward five or six years after that, uh, we started Savage Ventures. And one of the first properties we got a chance to launch was called Outkick. And through that experience, I found or I remembered how much I love sports. And now we've got Savage Sports, which is a large affiliate media company focused on the U.S. Gen Z, U.S. market. And uh, I, every time I get to work on it, it's just it's it's a reminder of how much I love sports and and the camaraderie and the friendship and the community that's built around it. Yeah, a lot of a lot of fun stuff comes from sports, right? Like the the ability to walk into a locker room, be with the boys or the girls, right? And like have that 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 community. I think was the word that you use, right? I can walk into any any bar in America, and if you see if I if I'm especially not in the Northeast, and I see someone with a Metro on, you absolutely know I'm going to say something to him at some point, right? Yeah, I'll it's slam on that, the brakes and scream "Rise up!" if I see a Falcons oh, well, that's you know, bumper fine, sticker. That's, that's fine. What is it? We, we we got it. We got a couple games, but we'll we'll uh, got a couple good games coming up. We'll see what yeah. happens. Yeah, uh, should be fun down the stretch. We don't need to talk too much about the Mets because they usually just let me down anyway. But I mean, it's just that it's that embedded community that comes with sports, and there's really very few other. I don't want to say industries, but there's very few other things that are like that, right? That come with this unbelievable embedded community. You wear a shirt, you wear a hat, you say a couple words, as you said, you know, and and people know exactly what that means, no matter where you are in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a uniting force. In fact, rewinding to college or just after college, I remember fantasy football was a way for me to stay connected with all my high school and middle school friends as we traveled yep. off into other parts of the world and started our adult lives. So, yeah, I don't know. Through, through like a six-year period, I kind of got focused on music, forgot about the love of sports, and now I'm back loving it again. I'm grateful. We're glad to have you back on the train, man. So it's, it's, it's an incredible ride, as you said. A, it's a an roller emotional coaster. roller coaster. Yes, a lot of uh, a lot of roller coasters over here. 
uh, should be uh, should be duly noted. I think that's the important part. So I am curious. You said a couple words. Uh, you know, as you said, you, you started your own business. You eventually sold it. I looked through your LinkedIn. It seems like you started about a hundred businesses. So clearly, the entrepreneurial spirit's there. Where does that come from? Where was the? Uh, I guess most people look at it as the 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 need or the want to not have anybody else tell you what to do. I don't know, man. It, it was definitely something inside of me. Whether it was genetics or a mixture of environment, probably both. My parents both worked for large companies and they would come home like complaining about work and Mm -hmm. and how they you know hate their job and it was providing for them and it it got them out of you know the lower middle class which i'm obviously grateful for and what all that what that also allowed me to do is to kind of explore because i wasn't you know necessarily worried about money Mm -hmm. like my parents were making okay money and eventually uh, i would call them you know more upper middle class now and so this drive to always want to start my own things and tinker and explore has always been there. So that's why I say it's probably part genetics and then seeing my parents have, have miserable work-life balance. And so it's, it's yeah, it's something I've always done. And then, uh, yes, you, you mentioned I've got like 100 jobs on my LinkedIn. It's because I've tried like 99 times and had one mild success and now uh, much much larger success in Savage Ventures. So you kind of have to fail a bunch before you make it. Good for you, man. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with you. It never made sense to me that my parents always complained about their jobs. Like even at a young age, I was like, so you're going to do this? Like you work eight to nine hours, depending on how it works every single day. You have the commute that's involved and there's two days a week that you get to enjoy yourself. Like, why don't you just do something you like doing? And then that way it's it's not nearly as big of a burden like, I understand maybe you don't make as many dollars, and obviously everybody's situation is different. But even from a young age, that was always something that made, you know, never made sense to me. I started my own business a few years ago. Unfortunately, COVID took that away, but I'm doing some pretty cool stuff now that I'm extremely grateful for. But it was always like, yeah, I never wanted to work for, you know, the quote-unquote man and, you know, have, have the, you know, be, be a slave to that paycheck that comes in every couple weeks. And it just never made sense to me. But now grateful grateful for what I'm doing now. But it seems like we're, uh, we're coming from the same place in that, in that sense. That's cool, man. Yeah, I mean, technology has changed a lot too. I don't think I could. The entrepreneurial path, I guess, is a lot easier now. Mm-hmm. You can stand up a Squarespace site, and if you've got a decent product, you're going to sell something. You know, just maybe it's to friends and family at first, but like it's not a barrier to entry, thanks to Shopify and thanks to WordPress and thanks to even how Amazon has innovated in the in the um, as far, far as infrastructure and like how to set these things up. You know, drop shipping and stuff. Uh, it, it they've showed the way on on they they've paved the way for all these smaller startups to kind of try to sell their own product, and and my, rewind you know thirty years ago when my parents were trying to build their credibility in the workforce there really wasn't those opportunities so I kind of get it it's easier now I'm definitely leveraging that but I I putting myself in my parents shoes who were you know lower middle class really had no savings graduating from college just needed to make money I I get why that even if they wanted to do it it would have been a lot harder. That's a very good point. Yeah, I mean, I'm very grateful for the opportunity that I had. It sounds like you're extremely grateful for the opportunity that you were given. Thank you to our parents for uh, kind of butting the bullet on that one so we could live a little bit better lives. So uh, always, always remind them of that. Uh, there's a couple things that, uh, you know, going back to your, your one of your first comments that you made, uh, talking about growth hacking and, and really just the digital media, the digital space in general, where, where was your passion behind understanding how to, and, and actually, if you don't mind, define the term growth hacking because i think that's like very widely used but i think people that are good at it have a a slightly more specific reason to use those words 
Yeah, it's a, it's creating a system for exponential growth when you have product market fit. I love that. See, I knew it. I knew you were going to have a very. I actually just made understand. made that up on the fly. You're well, the it sounded great. Print the shirts, man. Print <laughs> yeah, the shirts. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, it's a term that came out of Silicon Valley, especially when, for the first time, again, due to technology and innovation, there were companies that were growing in more of a hockey stick fashion. And a lot of the growth was led by just experimentation. You know, it's finding these little quote-unquote hacks. Like Dropbox is a very famous example of probably the largest referral hack ever, where they just tested giving away free memory when you referred somebody to the product. And the company went from growing, you know, 5 10% year over year, something small. I don't know exactly what it is. Don't quote me on the numbers to hockey stick growth. So exponentially hundreds of percent, thousands of percent year over year. And then obviously today it's a, it's a massive company. And so the, the idea of like running what I call high tempo testing or, or running lots of little experiments to get that feedback loop going against your product. So an experiment can be running a referral test like Dropbox did, or it can be like an A-B test on this landing page. It could be just testing a whole new channel, like testing Facebook ads or testing, you know, an influencer um, led strategy or whatever. And the more tests you can run, the more feedback you get, the quicker you can optimize. And theoretically, the faster you're going to grow the company slash sell your products. What was the first growth hack that you, you were able to uh, happen upon? One of an, an early growth hack was and this was, gosh, seven, eight, maybe nine years ago, I realized that a lot of people, I was working on a vacation rental like marketplace startup. So it wasn't Airbnb. It actually, it was a tool that you would use if you were managing homes or had a bunch of properties mm-hmm. listed on Airbnb. So it was earlier days Airbnb, but definitely it was like a product and scaling and, and a real company. I realized that a lot of people were mistyping the word Airbnb in the search, in, in Google search. They were a lot of them were spelling it A R I B N B, and so I started just bidding on that term in Google search, and we went from acquiring you know like a couple leads a day to like hundreds per day by just bidding on that term, and because no one else was bidding on that term in exact match fashion is what it's called in paid search, they um, uh, the cost per click was so low it was you know a cent or two so we went from like twenty dollar thirty dollar leads to like you know, sub $1 leads all of a sudden. And that, that test, um, led to other tests in that channel, that paid search channel that ended up being super effective for us in scaling that product. Now that's awesome. How did no one else happen upon that? Well, the product of, or the byproduct of running experiments in this fashion is you learn little things along the way that maybe aren't like causal, but they're like correlated. And it's weird how your mind works because no, we didn't run a test that was exactly like, oh, let's find, you know, people, oh, people in search are misspelling this name. But we ran a test that had this idea like pop into my head or made me look at a data point that actually highlighted, oh, wow, I'm looking at these search queries for a totally different idea. But now I'm realizing that people are spelling it A-R-I-B-N-B, you know, like hundreds of thousands of people a month. And so um, I don't know, like it, it's it, the growth hacking is simply a system to exponentially scale companies that have product market fit that's the key you need you know once you have before product market fit which is basically like there are clearly thousands of people or in like a website's case hundreds of thousands if not millions of people that want to read your content or watch your content um it doesn't really work that way you kind of just have to show it to as many family and friends as possible and get that like flywheel that. going i might need your help on how to growth hack uh my podcast how's that sound deal let's do deal. it love it 
appreciate that, man. I'm going to take that as a handshake agreement there. Appreciate you, Zach. Um, let's get into the the sports side of things. So as you said, you, you had the opportunity to work with OutKick. Uh, for people that aren't familiar, Clay Travis, he is a... Can I say controversial figure? He is a polarizing. That's a much nicer way of saying it, I think. He's a very polarizing figure. He says some things that are outlandish to some and and totally agreeable to others. I couldn't care less. He's not my cup of tea, but teach his own. You enjoy what you enjoy. Where, where, how did that type of relationship come about, and how were you able to utilize your previous experiences in growth hacking to say, hey, I really think if we do X, Y, and Z, we're going to see that hockey stick type of growth? Yeah, when you have the system to do what I call high temperature testing or the system for growth hacking, you develop what are called hypotheses. It's really like taking the scientific method to running marketing experiments or any really experiments that are going to grow your business. And we had a handful of, of revenue hypotheses when we started OutKick with Clay. Um, one of them, though, was sports betting. And so we tested a bunch of different things around these different revenue hypotheses going into it. And it just so happened that the timing worked out really well for us to take this very passionate audience and monetize sports betting through it. And and so um, I don't know where I was going with that, actually. What was your initial question? How did you, how did you take your, your experience through growth hacking to help apply it to OutKick to help them make a bunch of money? I yeah, guess. I kind of just answered it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's like it, to grow any company quickly – you definitely need a, a system with processes underneath, which is what I've been talking the most about. And one of those processes that we run is called high temperature testing. But there are three other variables at play. Timing has to be there. So in the case of Outkick, the timing was really good. If you think about what was happening in the world, I mean, we launched the relaunched the site like April or May of 2020, I think. COVID had just kicked in. Yeah. And sports and politics and pop culture were all colliding. I mean, like a... Uh, you know, like planets or solar systems just colliding. And literally the site was, our platform was built to talk about the intersection of those three things. So, and then if you, if you talk about timing and sports betting too, uh, we had a really large Tennessee audience and this, the state of Tennessee went live that football season, that 2020 football season. And so all of these, from a timing component, it was perfect. And then you've got to have two other things to a company. You need the right people in the right seats and we had a great group of, of initial writers that Clay recruited, and we had all the Savage Ventures folks that were able to come in and really capitalize on this good timing. And so we had, we had the right people in the right seats. And then the third component that I haven't talked about yet is the right technology. And so while we don't build technology, we're really good at leveraging it. And so by leveraging it, it can be like how you architect, like the software you build your website on, how you use like Facebook's algorithm to get more you know, users to the site how you use it, Facebook's ad platform to get more eyeballs on content and stuff like that. And so it was a, we had all this four, those four components like perfectly packaged and that's why we were able to grow the company so quickly. Yeah. I think uh, the, the timing of it, you, you, you touched upon that, but just to go a little bit deeper, right? Like so many people were at home and there was really nothing going on in terms of sports, but when it came back, like I'm in New Jersey, so I've been getting hit over the head with betting ads for, you know, multiple years at this point, but now I'm at home. And I have nothing to do. So, yeah, I could throw 10 bucks on a game. Why not? Let's make yeah. it a little more interesting. And now yeah. look at me. I work for, you know, uh, one of the first sports betting exchanges that's coming to the United States, right? So, like, there's, it's so funny how some of these, like, little dominoes uh, start, to, start to really fall and get you where you're going. But 
I think so many people, all of my friends, so many people really latched on to sports betting, specifically during COVID, because you couldn't go out to the bars. You couldn't go out and do anything. You could barely go out and see these games. It was just something extra to do for that little extra entertainment, right? And that's really all we were looking for. So I totally agree with you on the timing. Uh, And it sounds like, again, you had the right people making the right decisions, utilizing the platforms, as you said, and the technology. And it it makes sense, again, that you understand these hypotheses and you're really putting them forward. Uh, It also helps, again, the political spectrum, right, where we were at and where really Clay sits within that spectrum, I think is very important to understand. I mean, some of it has to be him too, right? Like, again, whether you love him or you hate him, it doesn't matter eyeballs are eyeballs so what what is it like i feel like i personally probably would not have been as good as that job i probably wouldn't have made you as much money but what is it like being able to work with someone like him understanding that no matter what he says eyeballs will be coming to the site so now it's really just up to you guys and taking advantage of those eyeballs yeah that's a good point i talked about product market fit earlier we had product market fit we had an initial you know audience layer to really turn the dial up to 10 is what I usually say. Like we take stuff that's like like a two or three and turn it up to 10. We don't, at Savage Ventures, we don't invest in or acquire anything that doesn't have product market fit. It's just not in our best interest because we have the very, we have these skill sets to take it from two to 10 pretty quickly like we did with Outkick. And so, and working with Clay was interesting because he was such a hard worker. Like I thought I worked hard, dude. This guy was just didn't sleep. I don't know when he slept. And, um, and yeah, it was a happy marriage in that sense where he didn't really have the technical and like digital knowledge to really take his platform online and, and monetize it. But he had this like very passionate audience and he, he is very um, um, knowledgeable and experienced at creating content, talking into a mic and a camera. And so again, it was a happy marriage of this like really smart, intellectual, hardworking person that built a passion audience and this group of of people that know how to take that audience and like scale the audience and then monetize the audience and provide value to the audience. Yeah, exactly. You have to provide that value, right? And I know one thing that you guys did very well, you had a pretty uh, in-depth and pretty, I guess, personal relationship with FanDuel in a sense, as as you were talking about with Savage Sports, specifically what you guys are doing on the affiliate side, Uh, sports betting and affiliate marketing go hand in hand in Europe. Nobody on the state side really understood that until it really started to blow up a little bit. Where did you get – was this an idea that you had? Was this an idea that Clay had? Where did you think, like, hey, we have the opportunity to monetize and, and scale this audience, give them value through a partner of ours, i.e. FanDuel, and you guys get to make money along the way and everyone gets to be happy. Where did this, I guess, not quite idea, but where did the, the impetus for this come from to say, hey, let's, let's dive headfirst with one partner – and let's really knock it out of the park to make sure they're happy as well as our audience is happy, Clay is happy, and again, we're all making a couple bucks. It was actually Dan Beasley, who's our chief strategy officer and also in-house counsel. He's a partner in, in our new fund, too. It was actually his idea. He was like, man, we've got to launch a sports betting media company at some point. We've got to do it. It's about to go live in Tennessee, and it so happened we had big conversations with Clay earlier that year, and so we're actually maybe the year before that. And so it was raised to our attention. And then when we got clarity on the Tennessee timing, we were like, this is a no-brainer. We're going to at least test sports betting through the platform. And it so happened because of timing and how quickly we can learn and, like, iterate and experiment. As I've talked about, we were FanDuel's top affiliate for that football season, the 2020 to 2021 football season. 
I mean, we, we signed up a bunch of people just when Tennessee went live because of how, you know, large our audience was mm-hmm. in Tennessee. And the audience, again, was we had a community. It wasn't really an audience. Like, these were very passionate people that loved consuming our content on a daily basis. A lot of them were members of ours. You know, they paid us money every month to take part in the website comments and, and the back-end forums and stuff like that. And so it was... Um, it was an introduction, obviously, to the market, and and um, when we sold Outkick, we had a bunch of brands that we intended to market sports betting products through, but never really had the time or bandwidth to do it. And one of those was Total Frat Move, which which is a, a media conglomerate and um, focused on a Gen Z and and very very young millennial audience that has grown. It's about a ten year old company has grown pretty organically. Um, through basically college universities campuses and and through you know um localized and regional community marketing and now it's you know a big media co that has 18 to 30 year olds pretty much locked down in the united states so it's a little younger audience than outkick but this past football season we started um trying to promote sports betting products and that's actually how we met because caesars was Mm -hmm. a i think our second or third partner um, in a slightly different fashion, you know, we did, we decided not to do an exclusive deal, but like we did with Outkick and Fanduel, um, we have a multi-book strategy, and we're trying to build, you know, more robust relationships with more books this time. But the, we had a very successful football season, and so about two months ago, I was like, Total Frat Move has a brand, and, and we've got all these other pretty sizable assets. If you add them, add them all together, you know, it's millions and millions of social followers. Uh, just smaller like brands and total frat move why don't we rebrand everything as savage sports and make this thing a real media company that produces content for gen z and millennials with the focus of becoming the largest sports betting specific affiliate in the united states and let's actually really do this thing instead of like you know half-ass doing it which is kind of what we did this past football season but like i said it was really just an experiment to to know that we can actually do this through this audience and so we're gearing up for football season now as we're talking. I don't know when this is going to be released, but as we're talking, we're about like two or three weeks out from like the tier two college football teams starting to play each other. So we're, uh, we're excited to, to have a fun time this football season getting the sports books and DFS companies and, and other sports companies, a lot of users and, and happy customers. And I'm so excited for those tier two football games, just as an aside. Me too. Like, I'm so excited. I've never wait, been dude, so excited like, to watch right? like Northwestern play. Nebraska. Uh, yeah, I yeah Nebraska. I like, think that's, that's like the, the big, headlining game. That's the headlining game. Wait. Yeah. I cannot <laughs> wait for too. that game. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be terrible. And I can't wait for it. I am so pumped. But no, 100%, man. I, uh, I We're on the same page there, which is awesome. And I guess, you know, kind of some of the things that you said definitely, you know, obviously that's how, that's how we met through, uh, you know, you guys working. Um, with Caesars, when I was at Caesars, shout out to the team over there. They're all incredible. I love them a lot. Um, you know, just things change. People change. I moved on. It is what it is. But we still love each other, and that's the important part. I guess I'm mm-hmm. kind of curious about a couple of the things that you said. What? So I know you, with Total Frat Move specifically, and some of the other um, some of the other properties that you guys work with. You know, you had that multi book strategy. With Clay Travis and with Outkick, you were very specific saying, hey, we're going to get this one book. It just turns out it's the biggest one in the United States, right? Maybe you guys had a nice hand in that. But what, like, where where does the idea come from of, hey, we think this is a property that should be with a single book and that's going to be the year or the two years or whatever versus, hey, we think these properties are better for multiple books and you can utilize different things that are working over there. So how do you guys kind of make that um, – Make that decision on, you know, should you go with one, should you go with many, I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, we knew nothing about the market, and FanDuel was very interested in the Outkick audience. They wanted to have a really good launch in Tennessee, and -hmm. so there was a lot of synergy there. If I were to go back, maybe I would have implemented a multi-book strategy. Okay. But at the time, we didn't really know much. Uh, as a you know, a growth hacker, to use that term again, I like having options, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. If you think about, and it's interesting looking at all the operators too across all the different states, for some reason, and this probably has to do with like the technology requirements that the books have in each state, they're a little different, and other factors as to how much the actual operator is doing their own marketing in the state. But we'll see conversion rates be a lot different. Like if you just take a bet MGM, for example, their conversion rates in one state might be a lot higher than in another state for some reason. We also ask for user feedback as much as possible, and we'll get some direct DMs, you know, uh, from, um, it, you know, through Instagram mm-hmm. about product. Like we like this book. Thanks for showing it to us. Or we we had trouble signing up with this book, and so we use that, you know, feedback from our users too to kind of help us prioritize. So I like having those options. Another reason to have the options, too, is you don't really know what operator is going to get to what state first. And so if you don't want to miss out on a state launch either. So all sense. three, if you're, if you're with FanDuel or DraftKings, you'll probably be okay in that respect. But like going into Ontario, you know, FanDuel was, I think, fifth or sixth or something to that market, if they're even there, actually. I don't know. I might be misspeaking. I haven't looked into it. But but you know what I mean? Like having the options, I think, is the right approach to take as an affiliate um, for for all those reasons. And, um, and it gives us a chance to kind of test the products ourselves too. Like I, I'll use in Tennessee, like points bet is in here, but I really like points bet. I would probably use it more. I got to try it when I was up in New York. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, a it's a lot more fun, you know, working with more partners. Yeah. More, more opportunity, as you said. And I think that's something that's very important is understanding those conversion rates specifically in a, in an affiliate type of industry, because you're paying for the clicks, right? Now, if the click doesn't make it to the conversion, you're still paying for the click. It doesn't matter if they convert or not, right? So it's it's really understanding how you can bring as many people through that funnel, not maybe as quickly as possible, but as as um, as streamlined as possible with as a few hiccups because then that way you're going to make more money. The books are going to be happier because you're bringing on more people, which I think is important. And of course, your audience that you guys have gone after, that Gen Z millennial type audience, like I've been following total frat moves since I feel like I've been on Instagram, which was sometime mm-hmm. in college is when I got on Instagram, right? So and it's been a solid 10 years I've been following that company for. So it, it's just interesting to kind of see how that works. And, and the fact that like the audiences continue to get older because all the people that are still following it, right? I wasn't 30 when I started. Now I'm 31 and or mm-hmm. I'm going to be 31 in a couple yeah, You're actually towards the high end of that audience. Right? Yeah. It's like 18, yeah, 30, was, 30, was, 32. Like probably one of the first, you were you know, one of the OGs. Wow. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'll take that. Nice little OG <laughs> there. But no, I mean, it's just interesting kind of how that works. And, and you can still continue to speak to that audience over time, right? Same thing with Barstool. Like they started out as like mostly just college kids. And, and you know, that was the audience. And now as they're getting older, their audience, you could see, is also still getting older. And they've taken a very different approach to sports betting. Obviously, they got bought by a sports betting company. Mm-hmm. So Penn National went uh, a very interesting route there. So don't have to pay affiliate fees if you just own the company, right? So there that's a go. pretty interesting. Oh, are you guys going to buy a sports betting company? Why not? Why not do that? That'd be pretty right. cool, right? Yeah. Well, th- I think that was a really good deal, you know, f- overall for oh, for Penn. I mean, the value is definitely there. And sure, there have been some hiccups along the way, but I tell everyone this, the market's so young. If you think about how much the market has penetrated online, at least, like where you can really scale out revenue, it's it's a fraction of the potential in the United States. And so 
they're going to continue to learn and continue to figure out how to monetize that property in Barstool. And it's just going to continue to grow and grow, not just as more states go live, but as they learn and become more efficient at delivering messaging around the pen offerings. Yeah. And, and as we've seen, you know, every sports, um, any sport game you watch, right? It's, you're going to have a million different sports betting commercials, but there are still people out there within these legal states, such as New Jersey, that are still signing up every single day. I remember New Jersey's New Jersey's a great state. It's been the most it's the most mature, but we're still seeing very good signups from a state like New Jersey, which is really interesting, right? Like it takes a while for people to really accept this, right? It takes a while for people to be like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, football season comes around. How many people are going to sign up this football season, specifically in New York, which was only, you know, a couple weeks during the playoffs in the Super Bowl last year? You know how many people are going to sign up in New York for just to bet on the Giants and the Jets, which is ridiculous, maybe bet against the Giants and the Jets? Those numbers <laughs> are going to be astronomical. It's going to be absolutely yeah. amazing. Well, as the market matures, too, just like you said, I think we're still in the, like, the early adopter phase, which is wild because there's still a ton of people signing up for these apps, and some of them are sticking around. Both more people will sign up, like the later adopters, and then those early adopters, I think their CLTV will grow over time as they it becomes more of like an accepted practice because we're signing up a lot of people that this is not Europe. Like these are the first time, unless you were doing this illegally, you know, with a bookie, um, which is probably the minority of mm-hmm. the users that we're bringing in. Like this is brand new to people; they don't quite understand it. And but as like any product, you build a habit around it. Um, whether it's even putting five or ten dollars on your favorite you know, football team every week just for fun. That's kind of what I do. I'm not, I, I, I'm not a parlay better. I'm not a, uh, uh, I know we have influencers, you know, on Savage Sports that are, are, are big betters, but I, I get a lot of joy just throwing 10, $20 down on the Falcons. Um, and they, they disappoint me sometimes, but it makes it a little bit more fun watching the game. Well, you know, then you get to cover the spread, right? I don't see the Falcons being favored in too many games this year. So you're working with an extra couple points in that yep, case. There so you go. they can lose and you can still win your bet. And, you know, maybe you're not happy about it. They're really good at losing by, you know, like a point to three points. So they're perfect. usually okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like they're covering the spread to me, man. Maybe yep. I'll have to take that, uh, follow you on, tell you on some of those bets. I think that'll be cool. <laughs> so what, like, in terms of, you know, Savage Ventures and Savage Sport, again, I just want to mention the Rare Media one again, because that's, Many people are familiar with Rare Media. Like it's absolutely gigantic. They have some really cool people, really cool content. So it was, it was when I saw that you guys bought it, or you know, I don't know exact obviously the, the details of the deal. When I saw that, I was like, shit, they're they're really going for a lot of different stuff. I guess with, uh, specifically on the Savage Sports side, still because you know this is a sports podcast with the affiliate marketing. Is that mostly how you guys gain revenue? I mean, I'm sure there's some kind of banner ad bullshit that you guys are doing, but is is a significant portion of that revenue now coming from the affiliate side of things? A lot of it's affiliate. We're treating it, though, like a diversified media co. So we've got brand partnership dollars. Um, we're starting to op- open up some of our uh, platforms and influencers to the operators f- to see if they want to actually add some brand dollars into it, mm-hmm. like sponsor shows and stuff like that, on top of what we're already doing for them from an affiliate standpoint. We're um, also doing that with DFS companies, too. And then like a, a company like Total Frat Move is partners with a ton of different types of brands in and out of sports uh, that want to get in front of a Gen Z and, and now, you know, young millennial audience. Are you a millennial? Yeah. 30. Yeah. 91. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, okay. You're a millennial too. Yep. Um, and, and even, and we've got like micro companies inside of Savage Sports too. Like we're, when we, the influencer partnerships I like better is when we actually partner with them in like a JV fashion and actually build a diversified media co around them, like launch shows, bring in brand partners. We've got at the Savage Ventures level, basically 
we, we've become really good at some of these things and we're getting a lot better at other things, but we've got performance marketers. We've got a video production company in Savage Media that can spin up shows super quickly from production all the way to distribution. We've got partners with a lot of the big uh, social platforms. We've got partnerships with a lot of big social platforms so we can open up monetization pretty quickly. So we've got like video monetization. If we run a dot-com strategy, which Total Frat Move has a decent dot-com revenue stream, but it's actually like with Rare and American Songwriter and our other companies, it's actually, and with Outkick even, it was a much larger revenue stream. But we, So I bet, basically what I'm trying to say is we've got all the pieces to make it a diversified company. And I would never want it to be you know, hundred percent affiliate. Like I want it to be, mm-hmm. uh, a, a decent chunk of affiliate. As I mentioned earlier, like that's our goal is to help the operators acquire more users, both in, in quantity and quality, but it's less risky when you have all these other revenue streams built out. And so we're treating it like a real media company, but our focus is on sports betting and, and now daily fantasy monetization too. Yeah, and as you said, it's still such a such a young market. It's still such a nascent market. Like, right, it, it's only been a few years here in New Jersey. New York, it hasn't even, you know, it's been like nine months. New York's one of the yeah, biggest states. Yeah, is it even four years right? old yet? I forgot when the first state went live. It was maybe about three, 2018, May of 2018 was when uh, PASPA was repealed. And mm-hmm. then a couple months later, New Jersey came around. So I want to say it's right about four years in New Jersey, yep. which is not a lot of time at all, right? They've been betting since like the early 2000s on the internet in Europe. Right. Yeah. So like they're, you know, mold, and it's, it's part of their culture. Right. And I think it's going to become part of our culture, mostly because the sports betting companies carry so many dollars. Right. So every segment is, is sponsored by DraftKings, FanDuel, Caesars. And you're going to see a commercial every once in a while. Right. And it's just going to start getting, uh, you know, so so many people are just going to become almost numb to it that it's not a big deal anymore. And that's just kind of what you do. And I think this is a really funny one. I just saw Kroger's, which is a, a, a Midwest supermarket just applied for a sports betting license so that they could put kiosks no in their stores. So yeah, we in have Kroger Ohio, down here. Yeah. Yeah, okay. In so in Ohio, when it goes legal, they're, they're, they're applying to have kiosks so people can go into the stores and place bets in the stores. Like, it's going to become just second nature pretty soon. And I think, you know, the industry is ripe to continue to explode. It's, it's not anywhere near mature at all yet. Yeah, that's that's what excites me about Savage Sports the most is that we are – in in a market that we love that we're getting really good at and it's still very young there's a lot more a lot more to grow and but being diversified is important with any business whether that is with a media company like savage sports or rare or american songwriter or any of our 24 7 health we have a healthcare vertical too it's extremely important to not be solely relying on one revenue stream because one like platform change or an operator operators deciding not to do like promos around super bowl or whatever it is uh, could really ruin your P&L. And so it's, it's, we're constantly testing other revenue streams if we don't have one established. And we're constantly testing um, how to grow revenue streams for the already established one. We do a mixture of both. I love it, man. You're super smart. You know what you're doing. I, as you said, it took a couple tries, but it uh, sounds like you know what you're doing and you kind of have all these pieces laid out and excited to see what you guys can turn Savage Sports into and the entire Savage Ventures, how big you can get that thing. Because it seems like you guys are well on your way. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, it's been a like like you said, a long journey getting here. Uh, I finally have uh, we we finally have put are putting the pieces together to make it a a real company that you know creates massive impact for many many people, both financially and and culturally. And so, yeah, it's it's what I think about when I can't sleep at night. And so, I think that's a good sign. I guess that is a good sign. Yeah, I want to make sure that I, I do mention one thing, and I'm curious. I want to hear your explanation of it. 
What does creating $1 billion in enterprise value mean? Yeah, it's a good question. So that's our, our short-term financial goal. It's, it's that's short-term. A um, billion dollars is short-term. Good for you guys. Yeah, we, we've created about $450 million so far collectively among the partners. And so we're, we still have, obviously, a lot to go. Um, enterprise value means a mixture of how much you sell a company for. So that if you sell an asset, obviously there's real value, real enterprise mm-hmm. value there, like we did with Outkick, for example. And then you have also the um, enterprise value, like the conservative enterprise value of your portfolio, your assets. And you add those two things together, and we want that to be a billion dollars. We're still not sure like how long we're going to hold assets on average, but our general thesis is we're just going to grow companies like we never have to sell them. And then eventually someone will probably come and buy it. And if no one does, well, we'll still continue to grow it profitably and healthy. Yeah, it sounds like you, you've put a lot of processes and systems in place to make sure that, as you said, you're growing these things in a, a net positive manner, right? Like so many startups, it's just acquire as many users as possible. Who cares if we have a loss? When in reality, you should probably care if you have a loss. You, you want to be profitable because if you're profitable, good things happen, right? And, and you're not at the, at the whim of investors. You're not at the whim of the markets. If you're making money, man, you're making money. Who cares if someone comes in and buys it? Sounds like you guys are going to be just fine either way. But hey, if someone wants to give me a billion dollars, I'll have that conversation. We, right? Yeah, we might take it if someone <laughs> offers us a billion dollars for just knock out the goal in one one uh, there you go. one acquisition. Not yeah, bad. and that's a good point. Is we don't haven't taken on outside capital to date. It's all funded by the partners, and um, that that was a thesis we had early on. We are um, entertaining doing a small fund just for the healthcare vertical because there's just intense opportunity there, and like the deal flow is has just been, you know, a lot more than what we're used to. And maybe what we're comfortable with, I'm not sure, TBD on that front. But generally speaking, yeah, we want to control our own destiny, have ultimate skin in the game, and, and kind of go down with the ship if it doesn't work out. Well, it's not, or, or go up with the rocket ship to the moon. Yeah, let's, or, let's, or let's, just stay afloat yeah. Yeah, I like <laughs> that. Meantime. I like that a little bit more. Good stuff, Zach. Well, this has been awesome getting to understand a little bit more about what you're doing and how you're doing. I think it is pretty darn cool. Again, we've, we've worked together in the past, so it's nice mm-hmm. to have a little bit of extra insight into what you guys are doing and how you're doing it. So shout out. Uh, shout out the whole Savage Sports team, too. You know, everyone that I got to work with. Max, Joe. I mean, I'm missing a couple people as well, but all good people. I uh, appreciate working with them, and hopefully again soon. Uh, be remiss i work with profit exchange now the first u.s betting exchange very excited about that maybe yeah i was uh, going to mention that i think joe's been talking to you Mm -hmm. potentially yeah so no i just started a couple days ago so he's been talking to a couple other members on the team so don't worry i'm going to be taking over those conversations soon very excited about it yeah i'm excited Um, man like i said we'll we'll definitely run some experiments and see what happens if if uh, maybe we'll be scaling it this football season when are you all launching uh Let's uh, let's talk about that offline. How's that okay, fun? sounds good. <laughs> good stuff, man. But no, Zach, this has been absolutely awesome. Where can we find more about you? Where can we find like follow you, follow whatever you got? Give me some websites, some social handles, so people know about it. Yeah, Savage.Ventures is the website, and on that website you can click through like and see all the portfolio companies, and that's where Savage Sports Lander lives now. Also, although we're talking about maybe bringing that on to its own site if we can acquire the domain, um, and then I'm I'm not on social a lot because I'm on it all day for our companies. But yeah, right. I'm, Your I'm, brain. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I have, I have yeah, two kids too, so it's like I, I wouldn't have any time left in the day. But I am on LinkedIn. You can find me, Zach Litwack, on LinkedIn. You can find Savage Ventures on LinkedIn. I'm most active on that platform. I'll pop into Twitter just to check DMs occasionally. It's at Zach Litwack. Luckily, I have a unique name, so I can capture these things on the socials, even though I'm really late to them. Yeah, those are the three places I'd reach out to me on. I love it. I'll make sure all those are in the show notes so everyone can get a try. 
check out some of the cool stuff that you guys are doing. Um, but Zach, this has been awesome, man. I sincerely appreciate it. Time's the only thing we don't get more of, so I appreciate you coming on here, giving me a little bit of yours, and obviously the audience, giving them some of your time and letting them listen. I uh, appreciate them as well. But other than that, man, this has been great. Really, yeah. Thanks, it. thanks again, Michael. I've enjoyed listening to some episodes. It's fun, it's cool going on a podcast because you. You don't really know what you're getting into, but then if you're going on it, you actually start to listen to it and build a habit around it. And so it's definitely one of the 10 I'm going to play while I'm warming up at the gym. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, your arm's are looking pretty big, too, so I'm sure you're doing a lot. Yeah. Uh, quick 40 minutes, right? That was a nice quick 40, so it doesn't get any better than that. So I appreciate you, man. Appreciate everybody. Hope everyone has a great night. Thanks, everyone. Yeah.